Whether on the go or at the table, get lost in a conversation about everything coffee with your host, Eric Ortiz. Hey everyone and welcome to Everything Coffee, a podcast that brings in different people weekly from all walks of life to talk about everything coffee. Today I'm joined by Matt Gooden. He is a full-time barista at a new coffee shop in Wildemar, California. Having worked as a coffee roaster at Temecula Coffee Roasters and other things, Mac has continued to evolve in the coffee industry. His specialty coffee interest began during COVID lockdown, after graduating from college and wanting to learn how to make a better cup of coffee, of course. And, of course, he got stuck with St. James Hoffman, our living patron saint of coffee, watching his videos and getting lost down the rabbit hole like we all did. You can visit and follow Mac Gooden on IG at Big Mac Brews. Ladies and gentlemen, Mac Gooden. Mac, how you doing? Doing great, man. How's it going? I, I am doing well. So St. James Hoffman, huh? Yes. I mean, I think we've all been there at this point, but, you know, thanks to him for getting me where I am today. I, I think we have him to blame for a lot of our our debt problems, uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of our anxiety from, from drinking too much coffee. Um, but no, I, I think single-handedly the man has kept the industry uh, afloat uh, if, if he needed to do so at any point. But uh, that's how it all started for you. But uh, you're definitely right now at a full-time barista at a, at a brand-new coffee shop in Wildemar, California. What's the name of the shop? It's called Abode Coffee. Uh, it's, yeah, just opened in March. Uh, we, we've been so blessed with all the people that have come through. Um, it's really been like an incredible experience. I was glad to get in like before they opened and like be a part of the core that started the shop. And it's just like, it's been awesome. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. Are you just a full-time barista or also doing any kind of roasting? Yeah. So I'm a barista right now. Uh, hopefully down the road, we'll start roasting our own coffee. Um, that's definitely a big hope. I hope to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, definitely full-time barista right now. I'm a shift lead. Uh, I've been taking on a lot of extra duties at the shop, um, just to help out wherever I can. And man, it's just been such a cool experience to work at a coffee shop. So, we, we asked you to be on the show because we, we tend to get a lot of individuals who either are owners of coffee roasters themselves or they own a shop um, or they've been in the industry for, for a, sl- you know, a slew of time or, or they're just Instagram personalities or YouTubers that, that have worked in the industry. But you're, you're one of the first individuals I have on here that actually is a current like barista. And so your interest in coffee kind of started a little bit late in terms of the specialty coffee. So tell me how it all started for you, Mac. Yeah, I mean, my earliest coffee experience was like fourth grade. My (laughs) stepmom was taking me to Target. And, you know, in most Targets, there's a Starbucks in there. Mm -hmm. And she was like, hey, do you want a drink? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never had coffee before. And that's when I was introduced to the caramel frappuccino. And, uh, yeah, I mean... (laughs) like I started getting that every time we went to Target and I was like, Oh, this is so good. You know, like sweet, overly sweet, like coffee drinks. And then, you know, I just remember, you know, growing up, uh, through high school, my dad always had a pot of like the, the worst Dunkin' Donuts coffee you've (laughs) ever, ever tasted. He'd always have a pot running throughout the day. And I would just started dipping into that with tons of creamer, tons of sugar. And then like through college, I, I started, needing coffee for the utility for the for the caffeine to keep me awake long nights studying hanging out with people just need that extra get up and go when I was heading to work 
And so I was drinking a lot of the Starbucks on campus. And so then I started thinking like, man, like this, this Starbucks doesn't taste like that good. I mean, like it's doing a good job, but it's not tasting great. Then I started going to the coffee bean down the road and I was like, oh, okay. Like, like their Americano tastes better to me. I don't know what it is, but it tastes a little bit better than Starbucks. Then when I graduated college, I found myself, you know, during COVID lockdown, like that's, I graduated right before that happened. And I was just thinking like, you know, what, what do I do with my time? What, what do I, what should I be doing? Like, I know people learn stuff on YouTube, you know, it's free YouTube university. People talk about like learning whatever you want on there. And I just stumbled across a James Hoffman video. His, uh, I think it's his ultimate V60 technique. It's a, it's a pretty <laughs> old video. Oddly and oddly enough, that was one of the first videos I saw from James himself. So. Yeah, because I think if you like type in like how to make a good cup of coffee, I, that that's got to show up high in the rankings. Because because I, I stumbled upon that and I was like, oh, this British guy really you know seems to know what he's talking about. And then uh, yeah, man, I spent ten dollars on a plastic V60 and. I mean, the rest is history from there. Like, you know, we're in lockdown and I'm just, I started with like Starbucks coffee from the store and I was like, Oh, like this stuff does taste better than, you know, brewing it myself. It tastes better than what they're doing in the shop. And then I started finding, you know, near my home, like when stuff started kind of like opening back up and you can go out with masks and stuff. Uh, I found uh, bird rock coffee roasters in San Diego. Shout out to them. Uh, that was my first specialty coffee experience. And from there, it was just like the fastest roller coaster you've ever been on. Oh, I can imagine. Once you go down that rabbit hole, it's impossible to get out of. And then uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious because now that you've gone down that rabbit hole, what's your gear at home that you're operating off of? Yeah, so I've got a, a Lilit Bianca V3 shout out. Yeah, I know you, you've got one too. Yeah, I love, love the Lilit. And uh, she she's just absolutely Flawless. I, I, I think that Bianca is, is going to be hard to kind of top off currently in the industry in terms of like it, it packs the most for your buck overall. And yes. I, I haven't seen anything kind of dethrone it unless you're going a few thousand above. I know. I, I honestly, for the price point and for what it does, I can't think of anything more perfect to be on my bar. So I use that. I have a niche zero, the original. Um, yep. That's probably the thing that I'm looking to upgrade next is like a flat burr, maybe like a DF64, something like that. Um, but then I have uh, a Legone Mini that I also got from a cool person I know, you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had the, so the, the concept of the Mini for me was I, I purchased it, um, forgot when I even purchased it. And I was still working elsewhere at the time. And I thought to myself, look, this is portable. It has a nice little carry box the where I sent it to you. It, it, it already kind of has its own kind of, uh, you know, protection. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just nice because I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to take it to work. I'm going to grind some great coffee rather than just use the Commandante or, mm-hmm. or the C2 or anything else that I had at the time. And I just thought to myself, okay. This is going to be fantastic. Then I then I left that work and I'm I'm doing something else and I'm stuck home at home more often, and I found myself using it less and less and less. And it had the moonshine burrs, and mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? It's just it's just sitting there not doing anything. And I think I made maybe a total of like twenty five thirty coffees using it. Yeah. And I just said, all right, I'm gonna put it up for sale. And then I just put it on an IG, and uh, right away Mac 
uh, reached out to me. He says, sold. Yeah. Sold. No, it's been awesome. Uh, I've been using that for all my filter coffee stuff. I'm very much used to the conical burr. I haven't tasted anything on a flapper in my life. So whenever I make that switch, it'll be fun. But honestly, this little grinder kicks out some incredible grounds. Like, it, man, it's just, it's really good. I, I'm drinking in a washed Ethiopian right now, and it's just like bouncing me off the walls. It's so good. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad someone is enjoying it. Yes, it's getting a lot of love good, over here. Good, good. So you evolved watching the videos, buying the equipment, and then then you got into the coffee industry itself. And you started off with Temecula Coffee Roasters? Yeah, I sure did. I, um, you know, coming out of college, I, it, it took me a while to find a job. I was so, you know, right when COVID happened and I graduated college, like I was still so unsure of what I wanted to do with my life. I was thinking maybe like becoming a chef or, um, you know, doing something with my hands. I've done a lot of like manual labor kind of jobs in my life. And I really like hard work. Sure. And, you know, I was just looking for jobs and I had moved out to Temecula here. And I was just, I was on Indeed like for hours, 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 every single day. And then I stumbled across a job listing for a production associate for Temecula Coffee Roasters. And I'm like, okay, this sounds like a great entry point into like roasting coffee, which is something that I had not known anything about up until that point. And I'm just like, I'm a sponge. Like I just want to learn everything I can about coffee. And so I applied and I got the job and I was roasting coffee a month later. Like it it was just so, it was crazy how fast everything happened. And then it was just so, it was the perfect thing. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to work in specialty coffee. Like I finally found the thing that I want to do with my life. And it, it felt so good to have that clarity for once. So this is something where I've always been like, just, just mystified by because I, I definitely don't have a degree in, in anything that would relate to coffee, except maybe drinking it. Um, I have a degree (laughs) in history, so I'm getting, getting to guess a lot of historians drink either coffee or tea quite often. Um, but in terms of, of just you kind of graduating with, with, with something that didn't fall in the field of it, um, and, and in finding so much passion about that, does that something that you just, Kind of told you yourself, like, well, I'm I'm happy. This is where I'm. I want to be for the rest of my life in the coffee industry. Or is this something that's just kind of a footstep or something different? Yeah, I think I saw it as a little of both, like like a footstep, but also sort of like I I could do this and and follow along with wherever it takes me um, for the rest of my life. I, it, it's tough because you know having a college degree made me feel like oh I should be getting paid a lot of money out of the gate. But then I started to realize like in communication studies, I didn't have like any good internships or any good experience on my resume that would qualify me for that. So when I got the job and, you know, I'm getting paid minimum wage to uh, just pack coffee bags with coffee, put them in mailers, send them out. I was like, thankfully I enjoyed hard work in a hot environment and like running around, filling up coffee bags, like doing that kind of thing. Thankfully, I enjoy that kind of work in general. Um, so that kept me there. But then also just knowing that, you know, if I stay here for a little bit, I can learn about all these coffees that we carry. I could jump on the roaster at some point. I can uh, learn more about like this very niche part of the industry uh, of drop shipping coffee. Like 
I just want to learn anything and everything I can. And then whether I stay here for the rest of my life, that'd be cool. But, you know, if it takes me elsewhere, that's cool too. Yeah, I, I, I see where exactly you're going on that. And I think overall it's just, uh, it's a, I don't know if it's just a kind of a, a, a flashpoint in your life right now where where coffee really makes sense, the, the industry makes sense to you, where your ad makes sense. And then just kind of see where the, the wave takes you in terms of it. And, and talking about waves, <laughs> because you got into coffee a little late in terms of, obviously, the you've always been a fan, but in, in most recent times, it was during COVID lockdown that you really gained that interest in specialty coffee and then eventually in the industry itself. How much in that short time frame when you started to now has the industry changed as a barista and as an employee in the coffee industry? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's changing. Like, I feel like it's just always changing, ever evolving. Like when I started working at the roastery, I wasn't hearing much about kind of like funky processing methods. Um, You know, like nowadays, even at my shop right now, we have an orange peel processed Guatemalan and it's like the beans are fermented with orange peels for a certain amount of time. And it's just like, dude, it's such an incredible coffee, but I didn't hear much about that. And then when I started and then I'm starting to hear people kind of like asking for that sort of thing. And then I'm starting to drink that kind of thing and be like, wow, I, I didn't know, you know, you make that first discovery of having specialty coffee and you're like, I didn't know like coffee could taste better than Starbucks. Like that's crazy. And then you get like a double anaerobic Colombian and then you taste that and you're like, Whoa, I also didn't know coffee could taste like this. And it just, yeah, it seems like it's just changing all the time. And then, of course, you have, like, me with my gear accusation, ac- whoa, gear acquisition <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. Where I'm just, like, I have to have all these new grinders, all these new equipment and everything. Like, it's, you have to, like, be very careful with your money. But it's, like, you know, I started making incredible coffee on an AeroPress. And then I moved to a V60. And then, you know, I make also really good coffee on my espresso machine. Like, you know, just stuff is changing all the time. And it's just, it's so exciting for me because it's like, there's something that you're learning new every day. And like, I really need that to keep going. And I'm interested in the hot take here, uh, Mac, in terms of coffee itself, as coffee has kind of just evolved in, in these extraordinary ways. Like you said, these fermentation processes and these shock processes uh, it feels like coffee has gotten away from almost its root of mm. of, of flavor and, and traditionalness. Is that something that is going to just kind of be wiped out completely it, over time? Or is that something that you're seeing as a trend where less and less of that traditionalist viewpoint of coffee is kind of going away and this almost feels not, not even a third wave of coffee. This is more like a a fourth wave of coffee, new evolution of coffee where, where it's now experimental coffee doesn't have to be the boring uh, flavors with that. It's always been, even though it's never really been boring, it's just never been, I guess the technology didn't exist to uh, extract or even uh, produce with all this, this, you know, data that we've collected over time in terms of temperatures and grind sizes and the machines that are able to produce these things. But do you feel that the traditionalist side of coffee is kind of going away from an employee's viewpoint? I don't know, man. You, you touched on it in the episode with David likes coffee. Uh, you were talking about kind of um, how, 
you know, there's that we're making this, uh, this push, um, towards, you know, like new and new things, but I don't think, I think there's still a place with, with like the old way of doing things that, that is going to stay because even right now, like I'm drinking a washed Ethiopian, like it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Like it's not, it's not like a crazy fermentation or crazy, like no oxygen, whatever, like all that stuff is really cool. But for me, I don't even, I can't buy like a two pound bag of that kind of thing. Cause I did one time and it just, it felt like a chore to get through <laughs> that whole bag. It, it's just a little too much sometimes, you know, I, I like a good small amount of it. Or if I go to a shop and they have like the cool, uh, you know, some interesting thing on pour over, like I'm, I'm down to try it one time and be like, wow, this is crazy. But I think at the end of the day, even everyone in the industry is going to come back to sort of the old standards, like, like just simple washed, coffees from good regions good producers and i think we should be getting back to that more um that's what i was trying to make the connection with i just got it from david likes coffee he was talking about um moving from sort of the gear like being this industry being so focused on gear what you have what you're uh grinding on roasting with all that stuff it needs to go back sort of to the farmer you know because i think we're getting a little bit away from our producers and the people at the farm level, like that's really what's important at the end of the day. And, and I fully agree with you. I, I think from, from the consumer and uh, being a smart consumer, I, I believe because in this industry, you're, you're deep in there. You're, you're an employee and um, there there's two, I, I suppose there's two types of employees, right? There's an employee that just sees it as work. And then there's an employee that sees it as, I'm a barista. I like what I'm doing. And, and they're a little bit more in depth, more invested into the, uh, the coffee industry, the culture, maybe understanding that agricultural side, the connection with the farm or the land and so forth. And, and I think from the consumer standpoint, from let's say myself, who've never worked in the coffee industry and I've been purely consumer all my life and, and, and being a smarter consumer because I understand the relationship with farmers the relationship with agriculture uh the relationship from from ground origin to to cup and that makes me a little bit more i guess uh, understanding of the process and what it means to people and and fair trade and things of that nature but then what i'm i'm also kind of thinking about is that romantic side of coffee and and i feel that it it feels like it's being lost a little bit the romanticism Mm -hmm. of coffee of how it was viewed at some point and how people kind of enjoyed it. I, I see a lot of it more like just people just drink it because it's energy or people mm-hmm. add it as an additive because it's caffeine and it adds more energy or it's, it's just basically a shot of coffee and a sugar with your, with your shot of coffee <laughs> and, and nothing's wrong with that for the people that love it. But I, I feel that that the romantic side of coffee where you would just go have yourself a, a cup of coffee, enjoy not even work at your computer at the uh, the shop. Just sit down and enjoy. I feel that it's slipping. Mm. But but then again, uh, you know, I don't work at a shop, and I don't necessarily see that as as a problem. If if you got people coming in and purchasing, that's all you care about at the end of the day because yeah. it drives sales. 
But but yeah, do you feel I mean, like it's 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 being lost a little in, in terms of the romantic side of it? Yeah, I mean, look, I I work my my shop is located in if you do kind of like a a study of the coffee drinkers in my my area, they're definitely the more Starbucks blended drink, lots of sugar, lots of cream. That that's the crowd that our shop is located right in the middle of. And I kind of see it as like my job is not only just making them their, you know, we have a campfire latte on our menu right now. It's like a s'mores latte. It's our number one seller. It has like a marshmallow cream cold foam. It's like a mocha base with a little bit of cinnamon. It's got some graham cracker on top, like super sweet. You know, I would never drink it, but (laughs) it's our number one seller. Yeah. But when I'm as a barista, my job is to like, I don't know if you've seen my stupid Instagram videos that I do sometimes in the morning. I'm like, we're open for business. I just make silly videos because I want to make people stoked about specialty coffee. At the base of that s'mores drink that we sell is an incredible Guatemalan Ethiopian blend that we have on espresso. And it's a medium roast. And the people in this area have never had an espresso that's you know, anything lighter than super dark. And so even that, like we're slipping just a little bit of specialty coffee into their drink and maybe that'll get them to come back and try, you know, like the orange Arocano that I have on the menu. I, I made a drink. It's a, it's an Arocano uh, with a bit of an orange zest simple syrup that I make. And it's like, you know, then you taste more of the, the orange zest playing off the, awesome Guatemalan Ethiopian espresso that we have. And it's like, maybe that will then get them to come in and try one of the awesome pour overs we got, you know? So I see it as my job to get my foot in the door with anybody who likes coffee to just try to like, get them into the specialty thing, get them to fall in love with, with the specialty and not just the, the sugar, the milk, the, 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 the energy boost for the, for their day. You and, know? and I'm curious in your, in your time of being an employee at just these, these coffee shops, Mac, have you had that interest grow a little bit from individuals that might go in there and say, I'm tempted to just do a regular coffee, uh, maybe not filled with anything else specifically, maybe just a black coffee, uh, maybe a little cream, but a specialty coffee. And then them kind of discussing these things with you and saying, what, what, what did I just have? What are the flavor notes? Have you had those advanced conversations with individuals who are more curious that might be more enticed to try something at home in that, in that sense? Yes. And that's honestly the, the greatest part of my job. It is so fulfilling. I had a, she's a barista at the Starbucks, literally down the road from my shop, like so close. And she came in and she was just asking a few questions and she was, you know, looking at the pour over options. And she's like, you know, uh, I'd like to try a pour over. We don't have those at Starbucks. Like, I'm just interested in trying one of these. And then she said, hey, do you mind? uh, Do you mind doing the pour over like in front of me? Because it it was pretty slow. So I was like, yeah, sure. I I have the time. no, No problem. And I got to stand there and do the pour over for her. And I was explaining like the processing of the bean, where it came from, who it was roasted by why I'm doing circular pours, why I broke up my pours into three different batches, why I chose the grind size I did. And just seeing her just absorb all that. And like, she still comes in and she gets, you know, she tries different things on the menu, but she's just like so interested in specialty coffee. And 
being someone that works at Starbucks, like that's so cool that I was able to give her that experience. And like, like that's the stuff that just really gets me going. Little did Mac know that she had secret uh, recording glasses on and uh, <laughs> was, was just recording the entire session for Starbucks. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, you're, you're right. She, she, she enjoyed something that she's never explored. And I think that's one of the best things because when I've had people over here, friends um i when i used to work in in the in the uh health industry uh this was something that that i would do quite a bit where i'd be bringing my equipment and i got a friend of mine victor um very hooked on coffee to the point where uh you know i got him a machine and we 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 renovated we fixed it and and now he's grinding his coffee. He's enjoying it. He enjoys the, the specialty coffees. He's no, he's become somewhat of a, of a hard pleaser because now it's like hard for him to go back to just regular stuff. <laughs> he wants the yep. specialty coffee, and so I, I I get that feeling of 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 connecting with an individual that doesn't know any better. And then once they taste it, once they get the science of it, once they understand why it tastes, why it tastes like. And then getting the culture of it, like the history of it and, and, and the agricultural side of it, it really is fulfilling, like you said, in terms of connecting with individuals. Let me ask you, from, from, your, from your standpoint in coffee as an employee, as been uh, in multiple shops, what is the kind of person that becomes an employee for a coffee industry, it, it, whether it be a barista, whether someone just working as a roaster? What is that, that trait that comes into wanting to be in that world? You know, I see a lot of, I see a lot of hardworking, you know, a lot of college students. I mean, that, that's kind of like a, like an easy, you can see it across the board. Lots of college students are baristas. Um, you also see people who they just like, they really enjoy coffee. I mean, even if it's just Starbucks stuff, like they, they enjoy drinking sugary drinks. They enjoy drinking um, stuff from coffee beans, Starbucks, whatever. Like you see a lot of those people, but then you also see a, a small fraction are the people who are just like really on fire about specialty coffee like me. And uh, at my job in at Temecula Coffee Roasters, my manager is very similar to me. Like he just really loved specialty coffee. Like he, he loves like the gear, the learning new things, um, finding new cool beans from cool origins that we haven't tried before. And I think it's, it's cool to have a mix of all those people because, you know, if there's quite a few people at my job now that, you know, maybe they don't care too much about specialty coffee, but they do make it every day. Um, and it's cool. Cause like, you know, they're ma- they're drinking their campfire latte, but it does have a really solid espresso base. Um, so if they start tasting that or like, finding like, oh, maybe the shot didn't pull as good. That's why my drink doesn't taste as good. Like, you know, they're still getting their foot in the door. Um, and so it's cool having a mix of those people because I've definitely, hopefully, rubbed off on some people the right way with like sure. the stoke for specialty coffee. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, I, and I think that that kind of is just kind of based off of you, right? Because your energy transfers over to an individual. So if you're passionate about something and you're caring about something and it, and it shows, right? Because I know when I'm around individuals who really enjoy uh, something specific, even if I'm not part of it, 
it's it's kind of just uh, alluring because you want to be next to that energy and say, hey, you know what? I like this. This is cool. Maybe I'm not interested in doing that, but at least it just feels good. And maybe you you do get a few people that say, you know, I, I might I might you know dip into this world of coffee. I might dip into <laughs> buying a bag of uh, of uh, whole bean coffee rather than mm. you know something that's already been grinded uh, down. Uh, so so small little steps like that, and I I know from multiple guests in the past. It's always been that that discussion of small steps, right? From someone that just went to Starbucks or to someone that goes to a, a store now and purchases instead of ground coffee, and now they got whole bean coffee. And from there, mm-hmm. they evolve from, well, instead of getting some coffee that's been sitting there for a while to an actual coffee shop that might be importing or at least selling their own roasted coffee. And, and then now you, got, you, know, you, you go down that rabbit hole of time. So what's been... The most difficult thing for you, Mac, in terms of coffee barriers that you've you've dealt with over time, uh, as as an employee, but also as a consumer, what are those things that just make you kind of like, I wish this would change about the the world of the industry or the world of coffee as a consumer? I know personally, for me, I love seeing all of these new uh, new ways of of extracting coffee, but I feel like it's just the same thing over and over with not much modification or change. Mm. And it just feels like a trend rather than actual like data. You know, that's Mm -hmm. why I love the elite Bianca so much because as many machines have already come out after it, it still remains the best bang for the buck in terms of flow profiling. Uh, The, the, the uh, selected programming that you can do on it. It's not the most advanced thing. It's not, uh, going to to create some of the most you know uh, amazing spectacles of shots, but for about twenty eight to thirty two hundred dollars, brand new, you're you're looking at yourself as a pretty top thing because it does everything at the base level perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about the coffee industry, the consumer world, that really just doesn't get to you and or makes you upset about? I think the I think one of the harder things is it's really easy to get into specialty coffee with a $10 V60, $5 worth of filters and just boiling water off a stove. And I I think that's fantastic because that's how I got into it. That's how I know a lot of people do get into it. Just like it's a, it's an easy entry point. I think what's hard is, I've already touched on it, but the gear accusation acquisition syndrome where there's so many things coming out and the headlines for all of them are like, Oh, it makes such a great cup of coffee or like, Oh, this grinder like makes the most insane coffee that I've tried. Oh, this, um, you know, this new dripper that comes out is like, Oh, this one's the best one. I think that's what's hard because it, you know, we talked about it where it's like, it's, it's sort of moving away from you can buy great coffee and make it on a really cheap V60 with the cheapest gooseneck kettle you can find. And as long as you have a decent grinder of any, like I started on a Barazza Encore. I still have it. I love it. Um, You can still make phenomenal coffee on there. But I think the trend that I've been seeing and that I've been feeling is like, it's a lot of like, oh, if you don't have this grinder, like you're missing out. 
or oh if you don't have um this new mk dripper you're you're like not tasting what coffee's got to taste like and i think everyone needs to do a little bit of a better job i think lance hedrick's doing a great job he's touched on it a few times lately of like just focusing more on buying coffee that's you know traceable you know price wise how much did the producer get paid for this uh where is it grown who's growing it i think he's doing a fantastic job of like trying to you know he still does gear reviews he he loves his burrs he loves flat burrs like that's his thing um but he's doing a lot better of a job of being like your life is not going to change for getting this grinder that's $3000 more than what you have but it's just incrementally better in like workflow you know yeah and and, and i must say that um i have have i have gotten into uh the the retail uh, therapy um i have not purchased anything new on my coffee bar for some time now and the reason for that is exactly what you're saying now because i personally have seen these youtube videos and and a lot of sensationalization of 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 these these new you know new methods of brewing and these new machines and the new grinders and 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 uh it's fantastic i i think that's wonderful but like you said I think what happens is a lot of people watch Lance, a lot of people watch James, and a lot of people watch Ryan, uh, and 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 they see a lot of these YouTubers on here. They see the equipment, they see all the great stuff behind them, and then they fail to kind of listen to the message of the review or the the just the overview of the product. And like you said, Lance will say this three thousand dollar grinder is fantastic, but. This $400 grinder does the exact same thing and unless you've been in the industry in such a long time and you understand the nuances of small, minute little things, which most of us don't have, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a lot out of it. Maybe in, you know it, it's a commercial great quality product and it's going to last you 20 years rather than the 15 years of the other product, but it's, it, it's those small little things where I'm kind of seeing and upset me about the industry as well in terms of there's a new product every single day and we haven't stopped the grinder marathon. It seems as well. There's a new grinder from every company. It feels like almost every week a new mm-hmm. drop um, and people trying to push them. And that's fantastic. But I feel that I also see a lot of YouTubers or even not even YouTubers, just Instagram personalities that have like five, six grinders on their, on their bar. And I'm like, I could barely handle having the niche, the fellow, yeah. and, and then, and, and then the other one that I had and the, the one I sold to you. And, and I was thinking to myself, that's too many for me. And yeah. so I, I still have my commandante. I still have my C2. It's one of those deals where I just feel that, that people look at these things. They want it. Like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's just wanting the acquisition of items and look what I have. It's cool. But at the same time, it's like, are you producing any better coffee though? Mm-hmm. like have you and I, have you focused tough, on purchasing man. coffee yeah you're right it, it is tough and and i think a lot of that is like you said instead of focusing so much on the machinery how about the coffee itself the, yeah man the farmers purchasing good quality high high quality coffee from from reputable lands and individuals and trying things like i had the yemen coffee from uh pull and pours uh, uh specialty drops that they do on the pool or and that was mind-boggling. I had That's never tasted awesome. a coffee that tasted like that. 
So, so Mac, what is it about coffee that you love and absolutely just, just head over heels with? Because you definitely have the passion for it. But what is it that brings you back over and over? It's, it's a few things, man. It's, it's giving the opening up. So many people drink coffee in general. And if you could just like give someone specialty coffee and they just taste it once, like, and they'll go, wow, this is crazy. That moment is something that keeps me going. That's something that I love. I also just love trying new coffees from, you know, origins that I haven't tasted yet. Um, Trying the new processing methods just to see where stuff is going these days. That stuff gets me really excited. Just watching bottomless portafilter shots that I pull in the morning, <laughs> that that keeps me going. That's what I love. Um, really, there's just, there is so much to love about it. Listening to podcasts like yours, it's just so fun to hear from really cool people like Andrew from Flair Espresso. You had him on, the Porta Keeper guy. I, I love my Porta Keepers. <laughs> You know, it's just like it, it's there's so many things to love the the content, the the people. I think specialty coffee has one of the greatest communities of just really solid people. Um, it, it just makes it so easy to be a part of this community. And it just it keeps my love going, you know. Well, definitely is is observable from my standpoint that you have a great love about coffee about what you're doing, Mac, about everything having to do with that connection, the community. It's it's intoxicating. I, like I said, I'm gravitating to individuals who appreciate, who love, who, who show interest and, and investment into what um, what we call the coffee industry, but we call the rabbit hole because it's, gosh knows it's taking our money, taking our time, <laughs> um, causes a lot of anxiety from all the coffee we drink, but certainly we love it and every little bit of part of it. Andrew, I mean, uh, we, we, we definitely got to go from that point, Mac, in terms of that. And I know that, that you, you mentioned Andrew right now in terms of, of, of a flair. And, and I, I, I kind of hear your, your kind of interest into this and your passion. It reminds me about Andrew from flair, Andrew from pull and pour, because they had such love for what they're doing. And it's so intoxicating because you can hear it you, even over the phone, even over uh, an interview. I don't have to be in person. It's cool to see it uh, just just from from my standpoint. It's nice to see that part of it, man. I appreciate your time so much, Mac. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. I, I know I'm such a small creator on Instagram. Oh, I've got like no, 300 no. followers. But I'm just here to, to share the stoke with people of Specialty Coffee and, and just have fun. That's all I, I'm trying to do. Nah, Mac, we, we appreciate it. Mac, where can people find you, man? You can find me on Instagram at Big Mac Brews. Um, you can find me slinging espresso every single day at Abode Coffee in Wildemar. Come check us out if you haven't. And uh, yeah, just keep drinking some good coffee. Beautiful. Mac, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Don't forget to subscribe to Everything Coffee on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at everything.coffee.podcast. Check out our website at everythingcoffee.podbean.com. And thank you for listening and doing your part in supporting local businesses in your city and around the world.